You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me today on the DU Podcast is Jay Anglin. He has been a guest many, many times. Jay, welcome to the show. Always good to be here, Chris. And also with me, I have Jeremy Ullman. And what we're going to have Jay and Jeremy do today is we're going to talk diving duck hunting. We really don't talk about that enough, I feel like, on on the show. And it's something that a lot of waterfowl hunters do out there. There's, you know, it's serious. It's gear intensive. It's super related to the weather, migration. It's really, really, really have to be in tune to what's going on. And Jeremy just so happens to be a specialist. Jeremy, welcome to the DU Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So what we're going to do, and we'll do this now, most of our audience knows you, Jay, so we're not going to have to have you reintroduce yourself to our audience. Uh, I will give you an opportunity to chime in here on kind of your background in diving duck hunting here in a second. But before we kick this off, I want to allow Jeremy kind of have you kind of introduce yourself to our audience, what you do, where you do it, and, you know, just who you are. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm Jeremy Allman. I grew up in Michigan. I'm the owner of MI Guide Service and then uh, King Eider Adventures in Alaska. 
in Michigan, I do layout boat hunting for divers and sea ducks, um, fishing during the summer, smallmouth, walleye, muskie, and then uh, head to Alaska and do the king eiders and harlequin and long tails up there. And Jake, you know, kind of explaining, you and I have talked about this kind of off the air before we got on is is having you be a part of this show one because you're kind of up from that area but you also grew up diving duck hunting too and you've also hunted with jeremy many times and and you kind of know what he's got going on up there and that's how we kind of got this show going um but jay just kind of describe you know your experience with diving ducks hunting and and where you did it and where you grew up doing it well you know i'm from northern indiana i was fortunate enough to grow up on a large lake uh natural lake in northern indiana that for you know ever attracted large quantities of diving ducks. And, um, while we always had the classic sort of, uh, Midwestern, you know, mallard pothole hunting and, uh, field hunting for geese and mallards, et cetera, and all that. And we, you know, take the canoe down the Creek for wood ducks and stuff. We're talking back far enough where, you know, limits were low, very restrictive, fewer birds. And my brother and I just started watching, you know, predominantly it was golden eye, amazingly enough. And then a lot of buffalohead, of course, occasional bluebill. And, uh, we just, we got a few decoys. We started, uh, you know, guys around the lake that were older and quit hunting would give us old decoys. We'd paint them up as, you know, a uh, golden eye usually because they stick out really good. And we'd take these little 12, 14 foot little boats that we had, our little fishing boats, and we didn't even have camo. And we'd, you know, put carpet and burlap sacks, anything we could find on them. And we just started doing it. And, um, you know, it was sort of like the very beginning of steel shot hunting water. Then you had to use steel, you know, at that time you could still hunt with lead in the fields. And it was just, the technology was horrible. And I just had this, to us, they were like these mythical creatures that had to come within, you know, 25 yards to put a, you know, an ethical, you know, shot on them. So we got pretty savvy at it. And, um, and then, you know, as life, you know, as I got older and I had more resources, I was able to travel a little bit more. And then after going to school up in the upper peninsula of Michigan, kind of specialized in it quite a bit, actually. And, uh, when I moved back down to Indiana, I just, uh, just kind of fell into the same old thing that everybody else does around here. And there's very few people that specialize in it. But the people who do, uh, guys like Jeremy, um, are really, really good at it. And it's a very resource-intensive um, you know, type of hunting where you have to have the right gear and you have to have a lot of savvy. And, of course, you have to really understand how dangerous it can be. So, And I say that you know, because it honestly is the best days often are when other people would stand on the shore and say, no way I'm going out in a boat in that. So, uh, there's a bit of adventure there too, you know, a little adrenaline in that regard. So yeah. And, and so I was naturally drawn to Jeremy's operation and, uh, just the guys I've always sort of admired all these guys that hunt the great lakes, you know, out in the open water. And, um, you know, we get such a variety of birds coming through here, including a ton of different sea ducks, uh, or at least good numbers of several species of sea ducks. And, uh, it's just really, it's really, uh, um, I think, taken, uh, there's a lot more interest in it now than there was when I was younger. Let me put it that way. And uh, so, you know, guys like Jeremy uh, are well known in, in the circles of guys that want to diver hunt in the Midwest. But, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are really into it. And they just kind of do their thing and don't make a big deal of it. But it's really a specialized thing for sure. Yeah, Jeremy, um, you know, kind of talking about the specialized in, in really the conditions that you got to deal with and gear and stuff, kind of, I guess, to get the conversation rolling, just kind of explain what, you know, someone would expect coming up there hunting with you, you know, let's say even, you know, late season, you know, you guys are on a bunch of birds. What's, what's that day consists of? Yeah, the day consists of, well, for what I do with clients, I go out early in the morning, a couple hours before sunrise or shooting time, and I go out and set the layout boats, all the decoys. Normally I'll set like 120 decoys per layout boat if we're diver hunting on Lake St. Clair. 
And then once I get all that set up, I head back to the boat launch and pick them up. And uh, I tell them to bring, you know, all their waterfall gear, their good waterproof jacket. Um, I tell most guys to wear waders in the layout boat just to keep them dry in case there's a little spray. If it's windy, sometimes spray will come in the layout boat and you'll get a little excess water in there. But uh, bibs and waterproof boots wear good as well. And then uh, good waterproof jacket. And then I pick them up and uh, we'll draw straws or let guys pick who wants to go first. Um, normally I run two layout boats at a time. So I'll drop two guys off. And then uh, once shooting time comes, I give them a radio. Well, I give them the radio before shooting time so we can communicate. But I'll pull, it depends on the day, 100 yards away or quarter mile away and watch them. And uh, once they knock down a bird, I'll come out and get it for them. Or if it's a cripple, chase down the cripple and finish it off for them. And then once they shoot a couple birds or their limit, we'll switch out. Um, the divers on Lake St. Clair, the limits are um, pretty low because the canvas backs, it's two canvas backs per person. The bluebills early in the season or scalp is one and then it switches to two. And with the redheads, it's two as well. So guys got to be able to ID birds. That's why I go out right away and pick up their bird and let them know what they have so they know what's left in their limit. Yeah, so, you know, I, I've laid out about 100 several times, but I know there's probably a lot of people listening who haven't kind of, and Jay, maybe you could do this as well. Kind of ex describe what that layout boat hunting scenario kind of feels like probably to someone who's, I guess I think about, you know, especially where we hunt down here in Arkansas and Mississippi, it's much more, it's kind of one of those deals. Like even at real foot, they're putting 12, 14 guys on a blind. I mean, they're playing cards, There's, but layout, but layout boat hunting just seems so much more one personal because you are out there by yourself and it's just you and the ducks basically. Um, but kind of describe that situation. It's interesting. When I lived in the upper peninsula, uh, Angie and I, we, I, I was still finishing school and, and we, we, we did, we lived in this apartment and the guy above me was kind of a duck hunter and he had a layout boat. So one time he let me take it and I, I took it out. <laughs> I took it down this, I floated the layout boat down a Creek. This is my first time. Uh, and, and floated into Lake Superior and anchored throughout some decoys and it got pretty snotty out. And I remember I panicked and I, <laughs> I paddled to the beach and I got out and I was like, I'm never getting in one of those again. But, uh, uh, you know, when I went with Jeremy, you know, anytime you have a veteran, a pro and somebody that's done it, you know, countless times and, you know, all, you know, in the ocean and the great lakes and big water, um, it, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, the confidence of having, you know, he and somebody else more than likely helping you get in and out. But at the end of the day, I mean, you look back and go, I was just sitting the majority of my lower half anyway, under the water surface. So the layout boats kind of sit in the water. And even though you're on the surface, you, you know, there's a little bit of a pod underneath that kind of allows you to sit down in the water because the whole idea is you want to be low. So, um, you know, on the case of Lake St. Clair, it tends to get pretty choppy and uh, not necessarily huge waves all the time, but just chop. And, uh, you know, I was in there for maybe 15 minutes the last time I hunted with Jeremy. And uh, I, I was at such, I was so calm. Uh, you know, I shot a few birds, a couple of redheads, and birds are coming in. I'm passing up redheads. And, and eventually I fell asleep because uh, we'd been grinding pretty hard hunting some marshes, you know, nearby marshes and stuff. And I found that it's just, to me, it's actually very, very relaxing. Um, I don't know how many people feel that way, but everybody I've spoken to, uh, in recent years that had never done it. It feels the same way. It's like, once you get in and get over it, you're like, wow, this is really cool. And, um, but it works so doggone good. I mean, the birds simply, they will flare off once they get in tight enough to actually see you looking at them. But you know, you're wearing um, neutral colored clothing that kind of matches your, 
ideally, that's matching the water surface. Uh, you don't move, obviously. And uh, they come in, the, the gun's laying. If you're a righty, it's laying on your right side. And you just kind of sit up. There's a little bit of a seat that allows you to sit up easily. And, uh, you know, shots are typically, oh, I don't know, 10 to 30 yards probably. And anything beyond that, you know, most guys that haven't done it aren't going to do it. I mean, it's it's weird. You're moving, the boat's moving, you're moving, you know, rocking a little bit. And so it does take a little bit of uh, getting used to. But no, Jeremy makes it so easy. And, and all the guides that do this a lot, um, you know, if you look at their way their boats are set up, and all the little things, the little ways they, you know, they make it easier on clients and particular people that have never done it. it it's really, frank, frankly, it's it's easy. It, it, it's it's the confidence they give you, and uh, and it, you know, you're put at ease and you go do it. And when you get done, it's like just, it's really awesome. I I, I can't recommend it enough to anybody that hasn't done it. Yeah, I can't imagine you know being out there on the big water. Someone who's not probably accustomed to it. That first time, Jeremy, when you're like, all right, get out of the big boat and hop in you know, hop in the layout below. <laughs> Have you had some clients that are like, no, nah, man, I'm not getting out. Yeah. Most guys are pretty nervous their first time getting in there, especially on the big water. Um, especially when you're set up in the middle of the lake or where you can't see a shoreline. Guys are a little nervous. They're like, you're leaving me in that little boat. I'm like, yeah, I'll be right there. Here's a radio. You can talk to me. But at the end of it, once they shoot a few birds and get used to it, I mean, it, most people fall in love with it because those birds, both they come in so tight a lot of times and you can decoy those big flocks of redheads and cans and bluebills and have them come in and land. If you don't move up and sit, a lot of times those big flocks will sit down right in front of you and you can watch them on the water swimming around. And a lot of times they go right to sleep, especially on migrating days. They'll come in and land and tuck their head back behind their wing and <laughs> fall asleep. That's interesting. You know, you'd kind of mentioned the birds. Now, last year you had Jay all spun up because Jay does the migration alerts for us. Um, for ducks.org and you had Jay all spun up because he I think he used you a couple times for different ones but he was calling me like man there are so many diving ducks pouring into you know the Great Lakes area right now like certain areas that you were hunting in can you kind of talk about that and and what what kind of I guess how do you judge that when you're saying oh man there's a bunch of birds here like are you out there scouting every day? Are you seeing them when you're hunting? Or how exactly are you judging by saying, man, there's a bunch of diving ducks out here? Because you got such big bodies of water. You know, there's there's so much area for them to go to. Yeah, Lake St. Clair is about 26 miles across, so it's a big body of water. Um, I work with a few other guides on the lake and have a few other buddies that live on the lake, so I'll get reports from them with their binoculars where the birds are going. And especially when I'm out there hunting and I can watch and see where the birds are trading back and forth and what areas they're using and where, uh, where they're feeding and where they're spending the night. Um, cause a lot of times I'll get up and move to different areas throughout the day. And with the divers, I mean, on a good weather day, they'll move all day long. It's not like puddle ducks where you got to hunt the first hour or two or the last hour or two. These divers move all day long. So do you do like later in the day hunts or are you typically sticking with mornings? I go out in the mornings for the day, it just depends on how the birds are flying and the clients and what birds they want and how their shooting is. Some guys will be done in five minutes in the layout boat. Some guys are sitting there, you know, trying to pick out a bull can or trying to pick out a trophy redhead or a trophy blue bluebill. Um, so it just depends on the hunter. Some guys want to limit. Some guys want a specific bird. So they'll sit there and watch birds fly through the decoys all day. So some days I'm out there from sunup till sundown. Some days I'm done in an hour. And what what are you seeing that's drawing those big numbers of diving ducks there? 
they've always been here. It seems like, at least since I can remember, they use Lake St. Clair and the Great Lakes. Um, Lake St. Clair, I think, holds a lot of them because it's a lot shallower than most the Great Lakes around it. So it's great for them to feed. They don't have to dive down as far. And there's a bunch of wild celery and different things they feed on zebra mussels and gobies that they feed on all day long. And Jay and I had this conversation last year when he was doing one of the Migration Update podcasts. You guys stayed fairly warm last fall, and what you were running into, which was interesting, um, was the ducks were being pushed out by fishermen because when the fishermen are out on the lake, it seems to be kind of pushing it. How long does that typically last? I mean, if you guys have warmer weather and there's, you know, are guys out there walleye fishing all through the winter? They will be. Yeah, as long as there's open water, there'll be guys out there fishing. Yeah, and that and that's one thing that will push those diving ducks around that region for sure is just continual boat traffic. Jay, can you kind of speak to that? You, you talked about that last year a little bit where you were getting reports and probably from Jeremy and some other guys up there where it was just like there's so much boat traffic because it's so warm, you know, having a hard time really pinpointing these large numbers of birds. Well, it, that, that's occurring all over. And it's not, I mean, Lake St. Clair is exceptional. There, I think there's, last I checked, there's more boats registered in that township than I think any other township in the U.S. I mean, there's an incredible number of boats in the U.S. Uh, side of uh, Lake St. Clair, but, uh, and, and obviously a ton of those are anglers, but, uh, but you know, the Great Lakes in general, all these big inland lakes, like the lake I grew up on, uh, Lake Tippecanoe in northern Indiana, Lake Wawasee, some of those bigger lakes, Lake Max and Cucky, the number of anglers that are fishing late now, you know, guys have started to fish for bass, even largemouth, you know, jigging into November, uh, and of course, musky anglers will fish. You know, I had a guy one time, I went out and broke ice for an hour and a half with my Lund to create a hole uh, with our mutual friend, Josh Lance. And we turned around, there was a guy trolling muskies in the cracks I had made in the ice, and that was December. So uh, it's happening everywhere, and I think what that's done is a couple things. It's, it's made uh, the peak migration times when you have fresh birds really important for a lot of guys that dive or hunt. Obviously, you're out if you're out in the middle of Lake Michigan or something, it's a little different because they're just going to bounce around for months. But I think also it's it's pushed birds, <clears throat> excuse me, it's pushed birds out of some of those sort of secondary migration areas, such as these inland lakes for the most part. Uh, and so now I think that's one of the reasons why these hot spots like Western Lake Erie, you know, Lake St. Clair, parts of Lake Michigan, uh, Lake Ontario. I think that's why some of those areas have like that many more divers. There's not just more ducks. It's just, they're more concentrated in those areas where they they get, um, you know, um, bothered, uh, more frequently by, by, you know, boat traffic. So, um, but anyway, yeah, it's a huge issue. I think all over, it's not just Lake St. Clair. I just think Lake St. Clair is probably, if I had to guess one of the worst places for it, unfortunately. Jeremy, you're just kind of shaking your head. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing that all season long, aren't you? Yeah, there's musky fishermen out there all the time just trolling for musky. There's walleye guys, bass guys, perch guys. It's all fall. So once um, they roost at night, they'll roost in big flocks a lot of times, and you'll see first thing in the morning, the whole sky will get black as soon as all the fishermen get up and start kicking them out, and they'll go land in the middle of the lake. But it's amazing how many birds will get up first thing in the morning once the boat traffic starts. I actually ran into that I, I kind of a funny diving duck story or diving duck hunting story. I borrowed a uh, layout boat from a buddy of mine up on Kentucky Lake and brought it down to Mississippi, and we were hunting an oxbow on the Mississippi River. Me and I had a couple guys with me, and we were just kind of taking turns. We had that one boat, and then I was going back and forth with the main boat, and 
I mean, we had decoys out. I mean, it was obvious what we were doing. And this was like first week of January in Mississippi. And there was a guy that literally came almost right through our decoy spread with a spider rig for crappie. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? He's like, what are you doing? He had no, he could not figure out that is such a, a foreign idea for hunters in this region, like the layout boat in the middle of the lake, you know, that that is not how they hunt down here. And, but he didn't even know what I was doing. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's January. You're out here crappie fishing. Sure enough, came right, right across the front of the decoy spread. So I can definitely relate to that. You know, let's, let's talk about the actual, the technicalities of, of diving duck hunting real quick. The first thing kind of popped in my head, cause you mentioned, Jay, you had mentioned it, getting good lethal shots on these hardy diving ducks, especially back in the eighties when you were doing it, it was probably a lot more difficult with that steel. But Jeremy, is there anything that you recommend for the guys who are coming to hunt with you? Are you like, Hey man, this is what you want to be shooting these big cans or these, you know, big redheads that are coming in. Yeah. Shot wise. I mean, tungsten's going to be the best. If guys want to purchase tungsten shells, you know, the TSS or the sevens or nines, cause you get such a more dense pattern you have that many more pellets hitting the bird in the head especially once they you cripple one or knock it down out of the sky a lot of times you can shoot one at 20 yards it'll hit the water get up and still try and fly away or dive down and you'll never see it again so tungsten's definitely the best bismuth the second best and then steel i mean i don't lay out boat i like fours because you get a lot more bbs in there but the bismuth i'm real happy with that three five mix by boss is a great shot yeah, and and you recommend force on steel. Is that a lot of that because you're taking really close shots and you just want that larger pattern and you're not as worried about that knockdown power of like BBs or something? Exactly. Yeah, most of the shots are fairly close and you want as dense of a spread as you can get. Yeah, it makes sense. And Jay, about the same with you. I mean, is that what you shoot when you typically diving duck hunt? Yeah, so I, I would shoot threes or fours probably. I, I've hunted in... Uh, in Maine for Eider. Uh, and I think, Jeremy, you you know, you obviously guide Eider in the Pacific Ocean. And, um, you know, I think I bumped up to twos and threes out there. But, um, you know, and I think I was running, I think in the layout situation on St. Clair, Jeremy, I don't know what your preferred choke is. I think when we hunted, we had IC and maybe might have put mod in. I don't remember. But, um, you know, if you're doing your job right, you've got a spread like he's using, your shots are probably going to be pretty, pretty a cream puff. I mean, in your face flare outs where you've got, you want a pattern about the size of a pizza pan at like 20 yards, you're good to go. So, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, fours definitely, the thing is now, you know, even with even the cheapest steel, a three inch mag load of 12 gauge steel ounce and a quarter steel fours is gosh, I've dropped an awful lot of geese with them when I'm out duck hunting. Um, you know, it's just so much better back when I started it. You could sit, you could drain the box. You could just sit there, load, 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 and keep shooting the one that's swimming away. And it just was like you're shooting sand at it. So, yeah, I definitely think the what he said about the tungsten and bismuth is definitely, if you're going for a trophy and it's your one shot, I, you might as well spend the money on the best stuff for sure. But for the meat and potato guys like me, I'm going to stick with steel fours and threes myself, yeah. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient. 
and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Jeremy, do you do you have conversations with people before you put them in the boat about? I mean, it. We're we're all talking about these close shots and a cream puff type shot, um, but it's difficult shooting out of. I mean, people struggle hunting out of layout blinds on the ground, not moving, let alone in a layout boat where it's rocking back and forth. Are you having conversations with your clients before you throw them in there? Like, hey man, like take your time, let them get close. Like, what are you saying to these people? Yeah, I talk to them first. Um... The main thing with a layout boat is knowing when to sit up when the birds are coming into the decoys. Because if you sit up too late, then by the time you swing your gun up and get on them, they're going to be past you if they aren't going to commit. Or if you sit up too late, they're going to land in the decoys. Then they'll be swimming around in the decoys and it's hard to get them back up. So a lot of times I tell guys, once the birds are coming in, once they reach the edge of the decoys, that's when you want to sit up and then take your shot, you know, as soon as they flare up or whenever you can shoot. And you mentioned, both of you guys have mentioned sea ducks, you know, ending up up there in the Great Lakes area region. How often are you running into, you know, big numbers of sea ducks up there? Yeah, on Lake St. Clair, we get some sea ducks. We get some scoters and longtails. I take guys out on Lake Huron to hunt the longtails and scoters. There's a lot more longtails and scoters on Lake Huron and Lake Michigan than there is Lake St. Clair. But, I mean, those numbers are pretty great. Most days, if the clients can hit them, they can shoot their limit fairly quick with long tails. Yeah. Do you have guys specifically saying, man, I want to come up there and hunt long tails on Lake Michigan or Lake Huron or, you know, is that a very specific hunt? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I get some guys that come up for one day and, you know, want to shoot long tails. Most of the time I get guys, you know, from out of state that come for three days. So we'll do two days on Lake St. Clair for divers and then do one of those days on Lake Huron for the sea ducks. Jay mentioned it briefly that, you you know, and you had mentioned as well, you also do, you also guide in the Pacific for sea ducks. Kind of talk about that and explain what that situation is like. Sounds like it's pretty wild, huh? Yeah, the Bering Sea is a whole different animal up there <laughs> yeah. on uh, St. Paul Island. Yeah, it's about 
350 miles into the ocean, just, just a 15 mile long island. So it's pure rock in the middle of the ocean. And uh, you hunt those, you can't hunt out of a layout boat up there. That current's way too strong. The wind's normally too strong. It's it's not safe to do layout boat hunts up there. So we hunt out of banks boats or bigger fiberglass boats with boat blinds or use Zodiacs. We can launch off the beach inflatable boats. And when there, they don't get much pressure. So most of the time I'll run six to 12 decoys tie up 100 yard line and have the six to 12 decoys on there just float out in the ocean and they'll come in and decoy so you don't anchor anything yeah how many trips like that do you do every year um up there the king eiders show up about christmas so i start taking the first clients about christmas and the season ends january 22nd up there okay so you just basically transfer your entire operation from michigan you know over to the bering sea Correct. Yeah, I keep different trucks and boats up there and decoys and one have a few guides and a chef that works for me up there because there's no restaurants or anything up there. You got to do everything yourself. Awesome. Jay, have you done that hunt? I have not. And um, he uh, called me last last fall and I was awfully tempted to uh, do it. I could see in the very near future where that, be, that will become a reality. But um, I, sh- I know quite a few people who have done it with Jeremy and with other guys up that, you know, out that way. And, um, it's a pretty remarkable thing. I mean, you know, if you've watched like the deadliest catch and seen how snotty the water can get, you know, in the Pacific, the North Pacific, they're, they're hunting in that sometimes like stuff. That's again, the great lakes can get really ugly, but you know, I guess when you can see the shore, it helps a little, you see a smokestack on a power plant. Like you said, 350 miles and you're on a 15 mile long rock. That, that right there is enough adventure. Once you just get to the rock, you're like, okay, this is a serious adventure. Throwing a little duck hunting, yeah, sign me up. I'll be out there soon enough that, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd imagine the flights getting up there can get a little uh, little dicey. I saw on your website, and it's like, you know, three to five days, depending on flights. Like, you could get bumped, and, you know, just weather up there can just be a massive problem. It is, yeah. It's always windy up there. I mean, most days it's blowing 40, 50. I've seen it blow sustained 90 up there. Wow. Yeah, that's rolling. Now, you know, getting back to your Michigan side of the operation, the weather can get pretty nasty up there pretty quick, too. What are you looking for in that? When you get up in the morning, are you, you know, are there days where you're just like, nope, we're not going? Like, are you having to tell clients like, yeah, we we can't do it today? Um, luckily with Lake St. Clair, there's enough different bays and shoreline where I can tuck in tight and get out of that wind or the waves. So that's the biggest thing is the wind on Lake St. Clair. So you just have to play the wind and hunt that protected shoreline or bay and, uh, set up close enough where it's safe to hunt. I normally don't cancel any hunts in Michigan unless it's lightning because there's normally somewhere where we can hide. Even if it's blowing 50, I can go out and set up 450 feet offshore and have six inch waves. Not even. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. If you can, and I'm sure the ducks are probably looking for, to get out of that wind as well. So that's probably more of a benefit than it is, you know, a a detriment. Correct. Yeah. I mean, ideally I'd love it to blow 20, 30 every day out of the North or Northwest. Then I'd be happy, but there's days, I mean, there's still days in the fall where it's 70 degrees and there's zero wind. It's flat, calm, like glass, and you can still shoot limits of ducks. Yeah, I was, I was getting ready to ask when you mentioned you wanted 20 to 30. You know, down here where I hunt, we want, you know, a, a decent wind, blue skies, you know, north wind. That's kind of what, what we look for in a, in a great day. Is that, what exactly are you looking for when you're diving duck hunting? For diver hunting, 
Um, you want the nastiest weather possible. You want it snowing, sleeting, blowing sideways, stuff you don't want to be out in. That's when the birds fly all day. Nice. What about you, Jay? Same thing. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. You know, my my one of my greatest hunts ever. A uh, buddy of mine who uh, he and I went to school together, got our biology degrees together, and he worked in Alaska. He was a crabber, and uh, we were on uh, Harson's Island, which Jeremy is you know very familiar with, and in Lake Saint Clair. And we went out. It was it was a day when a lot of people weren't going out, and uh, we took my Lund out, and uh, waves were cranking into one of the bays where I was actually hitting bottom in the troughs. And, uh, but we got one of those leaves that he, he referred to and, uh, the birds were just piling in migrants. It was, it was actually a big, it was one of the last grand passages, true grand passages in the late nineties. And, uh, it was incredible. But the problem was once we were done, we had to wait four hours to get back because, you know, it's a tailing sea and my boat wasn't big enough. Uh, so unfortunately some guys didn't make it through that day, uh, very near us. And so we watched C one thirties and coast guard choppers run grids and looking for, victims you know so it was it was probably the most amazing hunt i've ever been on and it was probably the nastiest weather i've ever experienced in a boat so yeah yeah that says it all right there i guess yeah we've definitely alluded to it and i know and both of you have that water up north you know i think people who hunt around here and these small i mean you're hunting timber you're not exactly afraid of the water but up there, you know, it's something to pay attention to. And, uh, you know, just constantly being a, re- a reminder that safety should be of the utmost importance. Um, speaking of that, Jeremy, and just curious, you know, what kind of boat are you running up there on that big water? Uh, I have a 21-foot Polarcraft Outlander. It's a center console. Um, it handles water great. And when it allows me to hold 250 decoys or so, two layout boats in my rig and five guys, six guys if needed. Are you getting those bo- those layout boats in the boat, or you have like an attachment on the side where you can you can hook them up? I pull them right in, ratchet okay. strap them down. It's easier to make longer runs. Um, when I used to run a two man, I would tow it, but that's a lot harder and nasty weather to tow it out there. I was I was really impressed with the way that boat handled that day we were out, and it was it was a little sporty. Nothing he's not seen, you know, a lot, but. Boat handled it well, you know, and that's one thing I would say for anybody that wants to like dive into this thing. Do not just go out and buy, you know, something you find on, you know, the classifieds and think you're going to go out and do this stuff because you're not, it's not going to end well. So you really do have to have the right equipment. And that's probably doing this podcast today. I would say my one thing I would want people to remember is, and I'm sure Jeremy would concur. You really have to have the right stuff. Most days you're you're not going to get a second chance. So I would, I would assume, Jeremy, you would agree with that, right? Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. The main thing is experience out there, too, and being able to read the weather and know where it's going to be safe and where you can hunt and where you can't hunt and keep an eye on it and lend boat control. When you have that many decoys set up with that many anchor lines and layout boats, if you hook your prop on there and your transoms facing the wind and waves, you can fill your boat and sink it quick. Um, that's the main thing is boat control out there and knowing how to drive your boat in those type of conditions and through all the decoys and ropes and lines and getting guys in and out of layout boat safely. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine just, you know, the amount of gear that's in the boat would just cause a problem for an inexperienced boat driver for sure. Correct. So now, you know, one thing I want to do before I get both of you guys out of here, because this podcast is going to air late summer. And both of you guys are also fishing guides as well. And I've done this with Jay the last few times, mainly because I'm always curious to see how the fishing's going. But uh, 
I know, Jeremy, you are also guiding up there for everything, bass, muskie, sturgeon, anything, walleye, anything up there. How is the fishing this late summer, and and what are you telling people, you know, going into the early fall? Yeah, right now, walleye fishing's slowing down a little bit. You can still go out there and catch your limit, but you have to work for them. Same with the perch fishing. The muskie fishing's been great. I mean, some days we can catch 10, 15 muskie in a day. Some days it's a handful. The sturgeon fish, fishing's been phenomenal lately. Um, most nights we're catching seven, eight, nine, ten sturgeon. Well, a lot of big ones too. That's awesome. Now, just mentioning that, is there an opportunity to do a cast and blast up there? Like, can someone come up there and go diving duck hunting with you in the morning and then go musky fishing in the afternoon? I don't do that because it's too much work <laughs> for my boat to so pull yeah. all the decoys and rig it back and forth. Once duck season starts, I put all my fishing gear away. It's strictly duck season. Cool. So it's possible. It's just not possible with you. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. All right. I'd be happy to take you duck hunting, but there's other guides out. If you want to go musky fishing for a day, I could set you up with a different guide to go fishing. Awesome. Jay, how about you? How's the fishing up there? Well, first things first, I think last year your biggest sturgeon was 80, 82 inches, I think, wasn't it? Was Good it 82? Crap. Yep. Good Lord. That's a monster. Yeah, I just remember that number because it's so ridiculous. But nonetheless, uh, fishing, this is my favorite time, late summer, early fall. It's one of my favorite times of year. Uh, it's a transition time. So I have uh, warm water species to fish for, cold water species, and sometimes both the same day. I think most of the Great Lakes guys would concur with that, that are river guides anyway. So yeah, you can fish for smallmouth, fish for muskies, northerns. Uh, you can fish for trout, uh, you know, summer run steelheads, early salmon. We have kings and cohos coming in. Uh, here in the next couple of weeks. So it's a lot of fun, you know, and it's uh, it's still kind of warm. So you're not like, you know, late, you know, winter steelheading when you're bundled up like you're, you know, you're going to the Arctic. So, uh, yeah, it's easy and uh, uh, it's it's a great way to get out and just guarantee you catch something because some days one species doesn't bite, you just switch to the other one. So, Jeremy, you know, lots of diving ducks. Some guys don't really prefer eating diving ducks. Some people do. Uh, you know, canvasbacks used to be one of the most sought after, uh, you know, waterfowl species uh, to eat. What are you doing with the ducks? And, and do you have a specific, you know, recipe that you use for diving ducks? Oh, I use all sorts of different recipes. Um, I prefer diving ducks over puddle ducks, actually, at least the canvasbacks and redheads. The sea ducks aren't as good to eat. Normally I keep them and make snack sticks or sausage, something like that. But um, the redheads and canvasbacks are delicious, ruddy ducks. Back in the market days, canvasbacks were worth the most ruddy ducks were worth the second most. So ruddy ducks are great table fare. A lot of people don't think so, but I love them. Um, the main thing is I like to soak them in water or milk, you know, for a day or two, get a lot of blood out and then make poppers. I'll air fry them. I'll just put barbecue sauce, barbecue them, um, make tacos. I, I make uh, burritos, different egg rolls. I, I love them. Nice. Jay, how about you? Well, you know, it's funny because I've always had these conversations with people around here. And so ringnecks, we get a ton of them in northern Indiana. You know, you shoot a lot of those in the marsh, too. They're phenomenal, especially the ones that have just come in. Uh, you know, they feed predominantly on, you know, wild celery and sago pondweed and rice and stuff like that in Minnesota. And then they come down here. But, yeah, canvasbacks and redheads, it's hard to beat. I guess if I had to put them, I'd probably put them right at the top against just about everything. And all the other ones, you know, people talk about how you can't eat them. They, you know what? You just have to, like anything else, do a little prep and, and uh, you know, not you might not want to roast one per se, but you might, you know, do what he's talking about as far as the poppers and all that. So, yeah, when I was at his place, 
I think you air fried. I want to say it was a mix of stuff. And uh, my gosh, yeah, it was phenomenal. I mean, I you know, I could have been wood duck for all I knew. I didn't. I didn't eat a piece and go, uh, diver. So I, I I always tell people, I'm like, you know, you've heard from grandpa or somebody that they're no good, but you've never tried it. So you know, uh, I, it's duck. It tastes great to me. So I love it too. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's my easiest recipe is just put them in uh, sesame oil, soy sauce, minced garlic, um, hot sauce of your choice, or fresh jalapenos. Let them sit in that for a day. I'm going to throw them in the air fryer for 8 to 10 minutes at 375, and they come out great. Nice. Are you putting the whole breast in there or kind of slicing them up into strips? Whole breast. Cool. That's an interesting recipe. I'll have to try that I think that's the way Jay Pretty easy. It, yeah. Awesome. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I got one last thing. Jeremy, if you don't mind, let our audience know where they can find you. If they want to look up your guide service and my guide service um, or, you know, any any social media handles you have that maybe you post images or anything like that, just kind of let our audience know where they can find you. Yeah, I have a website. It's miguideservice.com all together. Same with Facebook, Instagram. It's MI Guide Service all put together. Well, cool. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on today. Uh, I think this is a great kind of an introduction conversation to diving duck hunting and the reason why we wanted to do this was open the door for come fall jeremy we'd love to have you back on jay obviously you'll be back on doing the migration stuff so we'll have you on but jeremy it'd be great to bring you back on the du podcast and talk about you know what you're doing up there what the conditions are looking like and what the ducks are looking like thanks for thank having you me, man yep appreciate it awesome guys thank you i'd like to thank my guests Jeremy Ullman, owner and operator of MI Guide Service, for joining us today, talking about his operation, talking about diving duck hunting up in the Great Lakes. I'd also like to thank Jay Anglin for coming on the show and providing his expertise on hunting the Great Lakes. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're, conservationists. we're conservationists with the next generation. The next generation. 
Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation, united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside.